0: Good morning, we're glad you're here, and it's important that we, uh, every time we look at God's Word, that we do so by the aid of the Holy Spirit, and so as it is our custom and wise to do, uh, before we look even just at three verses today, uh, we look to the Lord in prayer. Pray with me. Father, we come as a needy people before a holy God. Lord, we ask that you would accept our worship today, our praise today, and show us great things from your word. Through the mouth, through the pen of the prophets, you told of a coming Messiah who would lay down his life as the lamb sent by God. None else was qualified to be our savior as you assured the disciples that you would die and rise again, you have promised your church that you will return. You will rule. So, Lord, come, take your bride, and then set all things right on this wicked earth. Do what no politician, no human king, or even dictator can do. All authority belongs to you we confess today together that Christ is the Lord and, and the Lord is God the judge. So we pray that you would make this clear to us and you told us in Matthew 24 that many false prophets would arise and lead many astray and because lawlessness will be increased the love <coughs> of many will grow cold. It's our prayer this morning you would Increase our faith, heat up our love, let nothing steal our devotion from you. Renew us, dear Lord, send us to a lost and dying people, make us shine brightly. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our King and Savior. Amen. Well, last week... We studied some questions that Jesus asked and an answer that Peter gave. And this is a turning point. Jesus had explained that not only had Peter gotten the answer right, but how he got it right. This was by given to him by the Father. And the Lord also goes on to tell Peter that... Uh, you will be used in a great way. The disciples will be used as the foundation of this church. And then in the early chapters of Acts, we see that taking place. That after the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ and the ascension of Christ and Pentecost, Peter and the disciples preach boldly, which they could not seem to do before. I wonder if you've ever taken a class on the life of Christ. Can I see how many have ever taken a class, or maybe a Sunday school class, on the life of Christ? And as you listen to a teacher, if he's well prepared, he walks you through the Gospels and gives you an overview uh, and increases your knowledge on who Christ is. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ takes the disciples through a lesson on the, the life of Christ. And uh, sometimes, as we said, sometimes he seems to be slowing things down. He pulls the reins. Jesus goes into Gentile territory. He seems to take the fight away from the Jewish leaders. Sometimes he seems to stir things up by rebuking the Pharisees. Sometimes he tells people, he pulls back and he tells them, don't tell what I have done to you. The Lord is always in control no matter where he goes or who he uses. Today, we find our Lord Jesus Christ marching forward. He sets his face as a flint, the scriptures say, and he goes towards the cross. And that involves him going back to Jerusalem, as we'll see in Luke chapter 13. And why? For the vicarious death. Only our Lord Jesus Christ could redeem us to God. Only he could be our substitute. Only he can let you know the great need you have before him. Things have been warming up a little bit. Bulbs are starting to pop up out of the ground. Easter Sunday will be here before long. But you know what? Every Sunday is an opportunity to review who Christ is, why he came... Even among, in our society, people who would say, well, I believe that there was a literal historical Jesus, all right? You believe he came. Why did he come? That's where you will get a divergent answer from a lot of people. This section of Mark reminds us of the rejection of Jesus Christ. Back when Mark started his gospel in Mark chapter 1, he had talked about this gospel. And all of this, as we see in the book of Acts, is According to the plan of God. The the apostles say in Acts chapter 2 verse 23. That it was according to the definite plan. And the foreknowledge of God. Who's in control here? It's already been pointed out to me that in the bulletin. It says who's in control here? And then it says Pastor Hamilton. (laughs) I'm only in control of part one by the way. Not even that. But here's a turning point. Jesus brings his apostles in our text from last week to a point of a statement of faith. And and he's taking the scales away from them and he's showing them what to believe. And then we're getting ready because in chapter 9, he's going to give them in the Mount of Transfiguration a glimpse of his glory. Jesus will lay down his life. Yes, John chapter 10, verses 17, 18. He says, I lay down my life. No man takes it from me. I lay it down that I may take it up again. But he does this as a victor, not as a traditional victim that we think of. This is, um, this is not a, a man who just became a martyr. This is not a, a, a plan that went wrong. Jesus is the victor, and he is in charge. Not the Pharisees, not the religious leaders, not the apostles. Jesus is in charge. Mark chapter 8, our text is verses 31 through 33. And we start off, as he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after Three days rise again. Who is this Jesus? What is this Messiah? By the way, I I found it interesting. I was reading this week. Some of you know the name Helen Hayes, the actress. You know know she acted for 83 years? She played roles like Queen Victoria, Mary Queen of Scots, and she received all kinds of awards from... uh, Uh, From one president, she received the Presidential Medal of Honor, um, National Medal of Arts. She received no less than 50 honorary degrees from different institutions for being an actress. Um, Much of her life, she was regarded as the first lady of the American theater quite a lofty title. By the way, there are two ladies living at the same time that both claim to be the first lady of American theater, and they both said the other was more deserving. But as I studied this a little bit, it got interesting because one writer says that uh, Helen Hayes actually slipped in this reference about herself. Now that would be interesting, wouldn't it? As it turns out, they say that uh, she cooked it up. She stuck it in a press release. And then forever after that, journalists would refer to her as the first lady. Uh, That kind of thing happens quite a bit if you stop and think about it. There are pastors out there claiming to be the most influential, the most dramatic or whatever in their time. In an age where we hype up things theatrically, was Jesus coming along and saying, I am am the Messiah. He allows the the disciples, the Lord, to bring that to their attention for them to declare that of him. And when the disciples say, you are the the Christ, the son of the living God, when Peter says that, how are things supposed to start changing? Maybe from now on, when they go to a, a region, they will get the best of rooms. Maybe From now on, somebody will make them a good meal. They will get the recognition that this is the Messiah and we're the ones that are closest. He handpicked us. Whatever they were thinking, it was all about to change. So let's look at this grand announcement in verses 31 and 32a. By the way, it's not really the duty of the disciples, once they say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, to go out and say, He's the Messiah. Jesus will reveal that, and what it means, he will do that himself. So let's look at the point A, we'll call it this way, the prediction of the passion. Jesus says, the Son of Man must suffer many things. The Christ, what did that involve? Well, Mark says, and he began to teach them. He's going to tell them about this coming death and a resurrection. All of this is arresting. In Matthew's gospel, he says, From that time, Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, He began to show the disciples that. Mark 1.14, we read, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, and then it says, The time is fulfilled And he said, the kingdom is at hand. In what way was the kingdom? A lot of people say, we're living in the kingdom. We bring in the kingdom. No, Jesus said, you can't have the kingdom without the king. And they rejected that king. And so the message turns to what is about to happen. He's going to die as the substitute. He's going to die as our savior. He's going to be raised again. Imagine how shocking that was to disciples who thought we've been following him. We've lived on sometimes meager rations. We've seen amazing things, but it's all about to change because he's going to declare himself to be the Messiah. Maybe they thought it's time for him to restore rule to Israel without Rome. It's time to restore purity to our worship. Without Roman, Roman coinage and signet and all these other things. They knew as much as they could from Isaiah 52 and 53 about the suffering servant, but it never, they weren't able to connect all the dots, if we could put it that way. What this means and what it would mean to them, what the immediate future of Jesus Christ, all this comes crashing down on them. The Lord is going to repeat this message in Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 10. We'll see again. It was no surprise to the Lord how this all turns out. But all of it was surprising and disappointing to the disciples at first. They they saw his rejection by the people and his crucifixion and the way he was treated. All this to be some type of unforeseen unfortunate event, but the Lord said that is not the case repeatedly now. He lays it out clearly and repeatedly what's going to happen. All right. So Matthew chapter 16 verse 21 adds to Mark's account. He says that he must needs go to Jerusalem. We talked about Caesarea Philippi. He's leaving that city, that region, and going back to the epicenter of opposition. The disciples probably could have said, not so, Lord. Don't you know what awaits you there the last time you were there? But he says, I must. A Greek word that has the idea pointing to obligation or something necessary or even something binding. Jesus going back to Jerusalem, Jesus going to the cross, was self-imposed. He's obeying the will of the Father. Again, John 10, 17 and 18. I must lay down my life. I must take it up again. He was in charge. Not the crowds. Not the disciples. Not the leaders. Jesus is. And so he goes, John chapter 7, verses 1 and 44 tell us, that it was there that they, the Jews sought to kill him. They looked for a way that they could seize him and kill him. But again, they were not in charge. Jesus is. And it's here that Jesus must lay down his life. You can turn with me if you'd like, or you can trust me to read this. But in Luke chapter 13... verse 33 after he says I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow and the third day and I finish my course nevertheless I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem he's he's going there to be killed for us to be killed not just a tragic end He was, the word has the idea to be murdered in the most violent fashion imaginable. And remember that Jesus comes up in this kangaroo court that they put together. They break their own rules. No guilt, no charges could really stick, no sin that he could be guilty of and yet they charge him to be so and they execute him as if he were a criminal they release a criminal so that they can crucify our lord clearly even the governor that's involved he knows he's not guilty but he releases him to expedite the process and he's guilty of expediency himself nevertheless did Pilate know the truth? Yes. Was Pilate in control? No. Jesus is in charge. And who else but the one who is the Lord of life could tell in Mark chapter 8, verse 31 that he was going to be killed and lay down his life than the one that John says is the resurrection and the life, John eleven twenty-five. 25. So we have the prediction of the passion. Secondly, notice the the plan spoken plainly. Plainly speaks of, of of openness, of confidence. Jesus had made references, like in Matthew chapter 16, about the sign of Jonah, almost cryptically about his. His death and coming back. But now he speaks boldly, plainly, without any question. And the disciples were were told in our text, the what, that he would be killed. And the who, by the scribes and the leaders. What's missing from this text? The what? The why. You know where that comes up? A little spoiler alert here. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 he he comes to seek and to save that which was lost. He lays down his life as a ransom for many. Well, the suffering servant, the suffering of the servant wasn't caused by the crowds. It, as we heard Pastor Smith say, the Lord, or Isaac mentioned, the Lord put him to grief. And he used... Religious leaders, these Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, the scribes of them all, the best and the brightest of Israel was guilty of the darkest and the worst. Let's look at, as we finish verse 32, where he says, and he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. The one who made the great confession is now guilty of the grand confusion. The same guy, just in case you've ever said something brilliant followed by something ludicrous. That's a nice word for stupid right after that. Notice, first of all, point A, Peter's response. Peter's response to the the news of Jesus' death. I hate to admit, we live in a culture where students can be built, beating up somebody and there are plenty of other kids that can pick up their phone and video it and post it and never get involved. You and I look at something like that and we say, why isn't anybody trying to stop this? Of the people that are staying around, how come no one is trying to do... Well, listen, when Peter hears the Lord Jesus Christ say, I'm going to die... And uh, it's going to be in, a, in a, a bloody fashion. Peter loves Jesus enough to say, any way we can stop this, Lord? Not so, Lord. He says that Peter took him aside. Can you imagine Peter grabbing the Lord by the arm, saying, t- t- walking 10 feet, 15 yards out to the side and saying, Lord, this shall never happen to you. That's exactly how Matthew puts it, Matthew 16, 22. It's okay if you lecture the Lord in your prayer life as long as you call him Lord first. Lord, this can't be in, true in my life. It can't go this way. You can't take this from me. You can't add this to me. I, no, Lord. Shortly after his Bold statement about the nature of Jesus. He makes this, this bold. He shows his own nature. He shows his own confusion. What is it like to correct the Christ? And we do it all the time. Peter says. What the others were thinking. I think there were probably times. Growing up and in school. I asked a question, people snickered, but they were wondering the same thing. They didn't get it either. He, he struggles to comprehend how these words of Christ can fit in to the plan. Well, whose plan? He reveals by his question or by his correction of Christ his, his own confusion. But instead of the will of God, the will of the Father, it's, I have an agenda I I love you too much, Lord, to let you say this nonsense. Could it really be that strong? He and others confess that Jesus was the Christ, but they don't understand what that means. And the Lord, by telling Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, and then talking about the, the next step, about the crucifixion. No, 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 no. We we don't see. This can't be. If, if Jesus is the Messiah, he's in charge. Certainly, you have the ability to stop this. Certainly, your temple, your rule must be greater than Solomon's. It, it has to be in your agenda because it's in ours that you would run the Romans out. That's not the case. None of that was the Immediate plan of the Father? What was the immediate plan for the Son? That He would die in our place. The just for the unjust. I wonder, before we move to the next point, if even this week we ever said, Be it far from you, Lord. Oh, you didn't put it quite in those ways. You didn't admit it out loud. You may not even have said it out loud. But are we ever guilty of putting... That's a question we already know the answer. Are we ever guilty of putting our will in in front of God's? Or softening things up? And like I said, but if we say, Lord... You know, that rings hollow unless we are willing to submit before Him. Lord, be it true. Be it a reality in my life. Be it according to your word, even this week, Lord... Notice not only his response to the news of Jesus' death, but Jesus' censure, in these two blanks, censure of the errant disciples. Now the rebuker becomes the rebuked. Peter can be successful, and he has some successes, but he fails miserably here, and he is corrected clearly, by the Lord. None of us ever want to hear the Lord say, You just became the mouthpiece of Satan. Can you imagine being shocked to hear that? The stumbling block. A stumbling block. Scandal on a word that has the idea, something that we would think that you might trip over, actually the idea of a snare. You set a trap An animal doesn't look at the trap and say, well, I know what I'm supposed to do. It's a trap. I'm an animal. I go into there. No, you have to have the right kind of bait. And you have to have the right mechanism that would trip that. Is the Lord actually suggesting, Peter, Satan is using you and your suggestion to draw me away from the cross and what I must do there and suffer and die? I think it's clear that Peter's mind is fixed on human interest, not really the, the will of God. And, and folks, it is not enough for you and I to say, with Peter, the Lord has called me. The Lord has saved me. The Lord has gifted me. In the past, the Lord has used me. But our mind should also say, you know, the Lord is correcting me and setting my mind on Him. My greatest prayer every day is, Lord, Thy will be done, not mine. Prayer is not about Paul Hamilton talking God, turning the mind of God to see it my way, but prayer is really bending the knee to say, Thy will be done. As we start to wrap this up, and there's so much more the the problem about a two part message is you automatically want to go into what you've been studying for the next week but how do you respond to the lord when his his will his demands seem unreasonable lord you lord you certainly can't take this away from me who's lord when we correct the christ Peter, is he trying to shout Jesus down? I wonder. Don't don't take this away, master. Don't go that direction, master. Uh, If you're the Messiah, and this is Paul Hamilton reading into the mind of Peter, so it's a third generation away, but for, for Peter to say, Lord, you have to save yourself. You're so important. You know, today we have sports that are... What's your job? My job is to protect the quarterback. Well, that did not sound like it's real flashy or important. No, my job is just make sure you can't get to him. Peter is saying, I'm running interference, Lord. I'm telling you that you must save yourself. And then there's... We've got this agenda. We've got all these plans. We've been making notes, Lord. And then you can improve our lives... And you can restore Israel. Not understanding what the full plan was. I wonder if we are sometimes secretly guilty, maybe even this week, of saying, not so. Lord, Lord, don't don't ask this of me. Don't ask me to be a witness to that person. They're difficult. Don't ask me to step away from this. That's so important to me. I won't preach next week's text, but let's read it again. Verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. See, I read that. If you're not here next week, we're just going to assume that you are not willing. No, no, no. (laughs) But for whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever would lose his life for my sake... It's not hard to understand these words. It is difficult to take in this rebuke, this concept, to get our mind around this. I'm, I'm guilty at times of being dominated even by emotions. Emotions. Personal interest. These things can be consuming. Consuming. And it's easy for me to come to the Lord and say, Lord, this is so important to me. Make it important to you. Are we guilty of that this week? I'm going to pray and close this in prayer for just a moment. But would you do this for me? Heads bowed and eyes closed. You respond to what we just read. You put it in the form of a prayer. I'm going to be quiet for just a moment and ask you to pray for your own heart. You're not praying for America. You're not praying for the person next to you. Lord, have there been times that I have said, not so, Lord. Don't take this from me, Lord. Don't change my life like this, Lord. Don't rebuke me in this way, Lord. Don't bless me this way, Lord. Lord. There's only one who's in control. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray and ask the Lord to forgive you, cleanse you, and use you? Lord, we ask That you would show us your glory. Show us our need. Sustain us, Lord, as we aim by your spirit to walk close. To to point to you as you draw people to yourself. Humble us to receive the correction. For the times that we've said, far be it from you, Lord. Lord. Make us sensitive today to your word, to your will. You have called weak and flawless vessels such as ourselves to demonstrate that the power is of God and not of us. You have given us an impossible task, at least in the flesh. No one wants... What we're sharing. No one wants to hear what we're saying. There's none who does good. There is none who has the fear of God before their eyes. And yet, we are sent to live holy lives and have a clear witness. And we rejoice, Lord, that we're not in control. And no political party or personnel is in charge. Only one will come down and rule with a rod of iron. Only one is worthy of all our worship today. Only one can lay down his life and take it up again and intercede for us today and be in control of all things. And before you, we worship and adore and bend the knee. Any soul here, Lord, that you see that has not bent the knee and and opened the heart and received you as Savior, convict them of that. Make it clear to them that they're trusting in the wrong thing. Help them by your Spirit to put their faith in Jesus Christ alone, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen.